So if you have your Bibles, guys, let's go to the book of Ephesians, chapter number one. It is such a privilege to be here, to be in the house of worship, to uh, in-house and those who have joined us via live stream. We thank God for you today, too, because it is it is it is certainly a privilege. Every time I go by a graveyard, I thank God that that that, that he's blessed me to still be here. Every time I go by the hospital or a nursing home, I thank God that he's blessed me to be here. I, you know, and, and, and I pray for those who are in the nursing home. I pray for those who've gone on to be with the Lord. I pray for those who are uh, in, in the hospitals. But sometimes we take the grace of God for, for granted. We just assume that we're going to be healthy. We just assume that everything will be all right in our families until it's not. And I'm telling you, God... God, God has graced us and blessed us to be here, so we thank God for this privilege and this opportunity, okay? So Ephesians chapter number one, we're going to begin to pick up back up at verse number 15. And in this particular section, we, we, what we're doing is we're on Sunday morning, we're highlighting uh, the things that we're studying on Wednesday, amen? And so uh, in this first chapter of the book of Ephesians, chapter number one, we'll begin our reading at verse number 15 as we look at Paul's prayer for the saints. Everybody say Paul's Paul. prayer for the saints. Now, when it says saints, don't get taken aback by that. Uh, you are called a saint when you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. A saint is not a perfect one, but that's the category that we find ourselves in when we name the name of Christ, when we submit our will to his will and allow him to come into our heart to be our Lord and our Savior. So let's begin reading. It says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith, in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere. He says this, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you. What? Constantly. Constantly. Let's keep moving. Asking God, the glorious father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and what insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Let's keep going. He says this, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people, which and glorious inheritance. Next verse. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power. Watch this that raised Christ from the dead and sealed him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So where is, where, where is Christ? At the right hand of the Father, in the heavenly realm. That raised Christ from the dead. Okay, now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. 22 and 23. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. How many things? things. Say it again. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of what? The church. church. Not the physical building, but those who are the ecclesia, the called out ones. Are you with me today? For the benefit of God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. 23, let's read it. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. All right. So let's see. Can we unpack some of these principles here 
in, in, in the time that I have remaining. I tell you, um, as we study this book, I shared with you that it is a, is a very uh, a, a necessary, like all the books of the Bible are, but I, I particularly think that Ephesians is certainly one that, that is, is right for the time that we're living in for us to study and to understand the, the doctrinal truths of this book, but not only the doctrinal truths of this book, but learning how to live those truths out in our individual lives. We're going we're gonna to get to the point to where, first of all, he's telling us what to believe in these first three chapters. And in the last three chapters, he's going to tell us how to live this stuff out. He's going to tell us how to, how to actually do this stuff. And, and again, after having written uh, the, the preceding section of this letter, he was describing what God did for us before the foundation of the world. Paul then expressed a prayer for the saints at Ephesus. He told us what God did for us before the foundation of the world. God already had his plan set in motion to redeem man back to himself even before he created mankind. Now, to us, that's hard to understand because we are finite beings. We are beings that, are, that, that, are, that, that move by time. But do you not know that our God is not moved by time. Do you not know that our God is not, is, not, is not confound by anything? He always was and he always will be. So sometimes it's hard for us to understand how could he, before the foundation of the world, already had his plan in motion to redeem mankind before we were ever even born. But that's just God. That's, 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 that's who he is. He has the power and authority. Uh, I can't put him in a box. Amen. The Bible says one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as what? One day. So that means that God is not bound by time. So he can choose to do it how he wants. He has foreknowledge. He knows everything. But he also, amen, set the plan of salvation in motion before we ever got here. So I like that. I like that God was thinking about us. It's good to be thought about. Am I right? How many of y'all ladies are glad or you, are, you, you, you get excited when you are thought about on Valentine's Day? <sighs> okay, all right. Now, let, let me back up. Let me back up. All right, maybe you don't have a man now. That's okay. But maybe your child thought about you on Valentine's Day. Any of y'all children ever think about you on Valentine's Day? All right, that's good, isn't it? It's good to be thought of, right? Okay. Brothers, how many of y'all uh, feel good when, when you're thought about by your fiance, your girlfriend, or your wife? When they, when they think about you, they give you a gift or they, or they uh, you know, whatever, they fix dinner for you and uh, uh, candlelight dinner and lay it out for you and, and tell you, baby, just come on home, go take your shower. And soon you get showered up, come on in here, I got something special for you. I got a year in the house. That feel good, doesn't break in it. It's good to be thought of, right? God thought of us even before we were us. He loves his creative beings that he, that he created. He made man from the dust of earth. God loved us so much that he says, I, I, I listen, I, mankind, I give him choice. 
He chose wrong, but I ain't going to throw him away because he chose wrong. I'm going to provide a way for him to still commune with me. I love him. I love mankind. So I thank God that I was thought about and you and I all were thought about. So as we get to this part here, he told us about that in the first part. But now, uh, although this, this prayer here is for a certain people in a specific time period, there is no difference between the saints then and the saints now. All scripture is inspired by God and it's useful for our instruction, righteousness, and correction, reproof, and all that good stuff. So when the Bible speaks, it's speaking not only to those at the time, but it's speaking to all who will believe on Christ as a result of the original apostles sharing the gospel message with somebody who told somebody who told somebody who told somebody who told you. Are y'all with me today? So, so we, we are just as much saints today as they were when Paul wrote this letter. Because I don't want us to get into this mindset to think that, that because they lived in biblical times that they had greater access to the Holy Spirit than we do. No, 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 no. We got to get to the point that we recognize and understand that God, amen, amen, decided to minister to the earth realm through his body, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I are a part of that body. So many times, uh, and and some of y'all are guilty of it just like I was. I used to read the Bible and think, well, they had something special that we don't. But I'm going to tell you, God still moves. He still is bringing revelation and illumination. He's still moving in power, and he gives us the power and authority to move with him. That did not go away. Are y'all with me today? So each one of us in here who name the name of Christ and are serious about your walk, you can begin to walk in in, in likeness of of the Apostle Paul and any other body that you read about in the Holy Scriptures, okay? So so make no mistake about it. They're not any, any more special than you are. All of us are special in God's eyesight. Are y'all with me today? So we get into this text today and we see here Paul uh, gets into, uh, we call it a prayer of enlightenment. Everybody say prayer Prayer. of enlightenment. See, Paul wanted the Ephesian Christians to understand what great treasures they had in Christ. Look at verse Verse 15 tells us that Paul knew of their great faith and love, which caused him to rejoice. Okay, I'm going to read it again. Ephesians 1, 15. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you how constantly I have a consistent prayer life. I'm lifting you up before the Lord. Verse 15 tells us that Paul knew of their great faith and love, which caused him to rejoice. The Christian life that we live has two dimensions. Hear me carefully. It has two dimensions. First, our faith toward God. And second, our love toward men. Our faith toward God and our love toward men. They are, those two dimensions are inseparable. I've told y'all before, your vertical relationship with God cannot be right when your horizontal relationship with man is all out of whack. You can't be in in, in communion with God in hating your fellow man. 
I don't know why we fool ourselves into thinking that that it's okay uh, to, to, to hate on people or to, to, to walk around in unforgiveness and think that we're going to still be in right relationship with God. It does not work that way, okay? Our faith journey, this Christian life has two dimensions, our faith toward God and our love toward men, and those two are not separable. You cannot separate them. Because really, if you're going to serve God, you've got to learn how to serve people. I've told you before and I've said again, you cannot please God and running away from people because God saved you to reach people. Okay. All right. I know it's daylight saving times. I know some of y'all are still working up, waking up. Your bodies are adjusted, but I need y'all to hear me. You can't love God and hate people. So if you're hating somebody, you better check your heart to see where you are with the Lord. Now, anybody can get off course and, 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 ha- and feel a certain kind of way. That's not what I'm talking about. When you feel a certain kind of way and feeling ill will to our people, get it right. All right. You can't control that person, but doggone it, you sure can control what's happening on the inside of you. Are y'all tracking with me today? So, so, so we look at He says, Paul wants the Ephesians Christians to understand what great treasures they had in Christ. Now, he prays for them. We get into his prayer right now. Paul knew that faith and love were just the beginning of the journey. The Ephesians needed to know much more. That's why he prayed for them and for us. In Paul's prayers from prisons, in Paul's prayers from prisons, we discovered the blessings he wanted his converts to enjoy. And I don't have time to go through all this, but you, we, we see one of those prayers here in Ephesians. We also see uh, he prayed again in the third chapter. We also see if you go to Philippians, the first chapter, verse 9 through 11, he prayed for the believers. And in Colossians, the first chapter, verse 9 through 12, you see him praying for the saints while he's in prison. I told you all before, it takes a dedicated man, a dedicated woman to keep their eyes on their purpose, even when their situation is off course. It takes a man or woman who, who's dialed in to say, even when tragedy, death, oppression is happening around me that is not going to take my eyes off my ordained purpose and Paul was that kind of guy no matter what was happening around him he still stayed focused on the Lord Jesus Christ Paul doesn't request uh, material things in any of these prayers his emphasis is on spiritual perception and real Christian character everybody say Christian character Paul doesn't ask God to give them what they don't have, but he prays that God will reveal to them what they already have. How many of y'all know that many of us sit in the body of Christ fail to operate in our God-ordained potential because we don't realize what's available to us? We don't even realize what we really have. We don't even realize and understand the power and the authority that God has invested in us as his children. So he, he prays for them. He, 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 wants, he wants God to reveal to them what they already have. Now, two factors to consider here. I want you to, 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 to dial in with me right quick. First of all, enlightenment comes from the Holy Spirit. Enlight- what, when, you, when you are enlightened, that means that what? Now you understand. You get it. How many of y'all have ever been doing something at work or even your home and, and you didn't quite understand what you were doing, but at some point in time, the light switch went on? The light switch came on and it was like, I got illumination now. Now I understand it. How many of y'all felt that way when you were in a math class and you were a math problem? Anybody like math? Anybody hate math? 
when you're in a math class and you're trying to work through that problems, algebra, let's say algebra or trigonometry or calculus, I don't like any of that stuff. <laughs> but it's necessary uh, because that stuff is utilized to do a lot of stuff that we enjoy doing today. From a technology standpoint, we need people who understand math. And you need to understand math too. All right? If you go to a fast food restaurant today, you better understand math because the person who's taking your money don't understand math <laughs> in a lot of occasions. If that button on that machine is not working right and tell them how much change to give you, you are in trouble. So you better learn how to count. Can I get a witness? I talk about the time is, you know, if they owe you 10 cents, some of them will just close the register up and keep going like ain't nothing happening. Where's my dime? Now, I'm not being cheap, but if I choose to give you my dime, let, let it be my choice. Don't just take my dime and don't take my penny. What am I getting at? Learn how to count. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) You better get some illumination or you will be taken advantage of. So two factors to consider as it relates to enlightenment. Enlightenment comes from the Holy Spirit. Let's go to, uh, if we will, to Isaiah 11 right quick in verses 1 through 5. Isaiah 11, verse 1 through 5. So enlightenment comes from the Holy Spirit. See, many of us have been trying to get enlightenment by reading the cliff notes. And I'm going to tell you something. Enlightenment and revelation comes from us pursuing God with all our heart, mind, and soul. Okay? Watch the text here. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. Now, let me say this. This is a prophetic message talking about Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay? And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Next verse. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. Watch this. He will give us justice. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exported. The earth will shake at the force of his word and one breath from his mouth will do what? Destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. Let's go to John, the 14th chapter, and look at verses 25 and 26. John, chapter 14, verses 25 through 26. Enlightenment comes the Holy Spirit. Watch the text. John, the 14th chapter, verses 25 and 26. Glory to God. I am telling you these things now while I'm still with you. Who's talking here? Jesus is talking here. Who's he talking to? He's talking to his disciples. He says, I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. The next verse says what? Let's read. But when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Now, listen to me very carefully. Some of you may have come from a, a, a a, a faith background where the Holy Spirit was not discussed very much. Your, your denominational upbringing talked about uh, God the Father. It talked about God the Son, but you kind of skid around or, or they didn't say much about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit 
is our advocate. The Holy Spirit is the power source that enables us to be able to live this Christian life and embracing him and being filled with him and allow him to live and allow him to empower us to live out our life in a way that pleases God is necessary if we're going to be effective as a church family. So we will talk about the Holy Spirit. I'm not afraid of his gift. Those gifts are still available for us today to operate in and to utilize to advance the kingdom agenda, to build the body of Christ. That's why he gave it to Jesus says here, but when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything that I have what? I've told you, go to John, the 16th chapter, verse 12 through 14. So don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He's a person. It's not an it or a thing. Some of us, some of of y'all may have grew up in a church culture where you were afraid of the Holy Spirit because of what people attributed to the Holy Spirit and it really wasn't him. Remember in, in some of our churches we grew up and when Sister Smith got the shouting, as we say, and she would swing her arms and do this and the usher would come and grab her and hold her. And you, you as a 10-year-old sitting there scared, I don't want the Holy Ghost if that's what it's going to make me do. <laughs> and we attributed stuff. Sometimes it was emotionalism, all it was. But what I do know this, when I look at in the Bible, when the Holy Spirit fills us, that means he controls us. Uh-huh. We're going to see later on as we study this book. It says in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, I believe, maybe verse 18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. So if he tells us to be filled with the spirit, to be controlled by him, that means that I yield my will to his will. Can I get a witness up there? And we'll talk about the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about tongues. I'm not afraid of tongues. I speak in other tongues. Paul says, uh, uh, forbid, he says, don't, don't, you know, prophesy, but don't forbid people from speaking in other tongues. I am a tongue talker. It is my prayer language. And God, God graced me with that, and so I do that. But if I'm in a corporate assembly, I utilize it according to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14 chapter, where he says if I'm in an assembly, it's better to say something that people understand than to say something they can't understand. Because the principle from chapters 10 to 14 is the principle of edification, to build up the body in 1 Corinthians 10 chapter through the 14th chapter. Because when we come here, we want to be built up. If I speak a message in German, how many of y'all speak German? So nobody would be edified, right? Unless I had a what? Interpreter. If I had an interpreter, I would say, the Lord love you. He told me to tell you, Stafford, grace is coming your way. Now, if Stafford understands German, he could go with me, right? All right, so, so I don't want to get off on that, but, but what I'm telling you is, is that I don't minimize the work of the Holy Spirit. I want us to learn it. I want us to understand it. And I don't want us to be afraid of the Holy Ghost. Okay, just, can I just say, brother, you, aren't you Baptist? No, I ain't Baptist. I'm Christian. So I want us to understand. A lot of people get messed up because they don't understand we want enlightenment. Everybody say enlightenment. There, 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 we're going to talk about a lot of different things as we go through here. Uh, some of y'all probably saw where Rick Warren's church just got kicked out of the Southern Baptist because they have the church that he had has a, a woman who's a teaching pastor. But when I go to the scripture, 
And he said, I was reading Rick Warren, he says, listen, when he started reading certain scriptures, he says, what do we do with this when if the book of Acts says that in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. What does it mean to prophesy? To foretell what to say to the Lord. What is, what is foretelling what to say to the Lord? It's preaching the word. Okay, that's a whole other sermon. But I'm just telling you where I want us to understand scripturally what the Bible says and don't let your, 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 your upbringing and your cultural nuances decide how you're going to do this Christian life. Amen. And if all of us are honest about it, there's stuff that we brought along with us to where we are now. Some of our upbringing. And sometimes it's hard to get that stuff out of us. The good stuff, let's keep it, but there's some stuff we need to, we need to say, okay, we thought we knew what we were talking about then, but we really didn't. And now I've been what? Enlightened. The Holy Spirit brings what? Enlightenment. Are y'all with me today? Does that scare anybody? Are you going to leave the church now? Hang with me because I'm going to prove everything by the Bible. Okay? Watch this. Some stuff is not really as controversial as we make it out to be. It's just that we've, we, we've been accustomed and we've heard stuff for a long time and we let that sell in our spirit. And all I ask you to do is take off whatever rose-colored glass you have on and let the Bible speak. Amen? Okay. All right. I didn't know pastor spoke in a tongue. Yes, I do. All right. Enlightenment comes from the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 12 says what? There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. Who's talking here? Jesus. Next verse. Let's read. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triune God. The, when Jesus left here, he says, I'm not going to send the Holy Ghost to, to walk alongside. It, the, the Greek word is, is called paraclete. I think I'm pronouncing it right. The paraclete, one who's called alongside to help. So if you've been dismissing and minimizing the one who's been called alongside to help you, is it any wonder you've been getting burnt out in doing ministry now? Is it any wonder that you're getting discouraged because you've been trying to do it in your own strength and you were never designed to operate that way? So enlightenment comes from the Holy Spirit. Man, listen to this carefully. Man cannot understand the things of God with his natural mind. Go over to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verses 9 through 16. Man cannot understand the things of God with his natural mind. And so many people, so many Christians come to the scripture trying to rationalize it and understand it like a textbook. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings the illumination. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And let's begin our reading I think it is in verse number nine. Glory to God. He says this. That is what the scriptures mean when they say no eye has seen. Nor what? No ears heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who what? Those who love him. Next verse. But it was to us that God revealed these things. What? How? How? He revealed it what? By his spirit. But you scattered the spirit. 
You don't embrace his work because that was not your denominational upbringing. You never talk about the Holy Spirit. Listen, he says, but it was it was but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit for his spirit does what searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Let's keep reading. No one can know a person's what? Thoughts except that person's own Can we read it again? No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit and no one can know God's thoughts except God's what? Own spirit. Verse 12. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can what? So we can know the wonderful things God has freely what? Given us. For good measure. Let's go to the next verse. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. Catch that. We speak words given to us by the Spirit. Who's talking here? Come on, come on, Bible reads. Who's talking? The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church at what? Corinth. He says, uh, we speak words given to us by the Spirit using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. The Spirit's words are going to be the words of the Bible. And you use scripture to help interpret scripture. Next verse. Let's keep reading. But people who aren't, watch this, people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it for only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. So I'm going to free some of y'all right now. Stop arguing with your family members. Stop, stop pulling your hair out, trying to get somebody to understand something that they will not be able to understand because they ain't even born again. You sit up there trying to give scripture to an unregenerate heart and that person will never receive it. What did he just say? But people who aren't... Now back up. Even those in the church who are born again but they're still carnal can't understand. When I began to teach on various subjects, I can see some of y'all glossing over. Because, first of all, you had not been in your word, and it may not feel right to you. But the word of God is not based on how we feel. It's based on the truth of God's word. People who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Those who are spirit minded, those who are growing in their faith, those who are allowing the word of God to take its preeminent place in their heart and minds will begin to understand the things of God. So 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 stop trying to get people to understand spiritual things and they may not even be born again or they may be born again, but they're still a spiritual baby in Christ. How can you tell if they're spiritual babies? Paul said it in Corinthians, there's envying. Fussing, fighting in a church where there's a bunch of mess, there's a bunch of babies messing on themselves. And you expect them to understand spiritual things. The Bible says they can't understand it. So what I've learned to do as a pastor to save me 
When I say save me, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't wig out. I just teach the truth. I'm going to make sure that, that I give you what the word of God says from this pulpit. And when we have our discipleship training now, if you refuse to, to come and eat it from the table, I can't help you because you won't eat. And if you're going to be in a place, why be in a place and not eat from the table? All right, so, all right, so, 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 so I'm going to free some of y'all. Y'all trying to explain the Bible to people, to pe- the people who aren't even born again? You're trying to s- explain the Bible to people who don't even study their Bible? The, their ability to comprehend is going to be very limited because he says, I'm just, what did it just say? But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's word. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Y'all, y'all with me? They, only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit, what, what the spirit means. All right. So those who next verse says those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. Now, and let me let me stop there because I I, I, I I need you to understand that God wants God wants you to know more of him. OK, but you cannot understand it with the natural mind, which is the unregenerate mind. Or with the carnal mind, which is somebody who's been born again, but they're not growing spiritually. Y'all with me? So natural minded folks, carnal minded Christians can't understand the things of God because it's the Holy Spirit that gives the revelation. All right. So enlightenment comes from who? All right. The Holy Spirit. I, I, would, I, I'm not, I, don't, I was going to talk to this, but I won't, I won't go too much. Further. But how many of y'all read about where the Texas Tech a men's basketball coach recently resigned under pressure because he quoted scripture to one of his players as he was trying to get that player to actually understand what it means to be a part of a team, what it means to, to, to walk in governing authority. Uh, did any of y'all, y'all, any of y'all follow sports? Okay. All right. Now let me, let me, let me say something with it. Cause see the world don't understand the Bible. Now what the coach did was he quoted, uh, from, uh, uh, I think it was Colossians where he talks about. Uh, as a matter of fact, go there right quick. Can I go there right quick? Can I? Do y'all mind? My time is running, but I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this. But I want to. Sh- I'm trying to illustrate a point. See, the world can't understand. He, he started talking about uh, children obeying your parents. He talked about wives submitting yourself to your husband, and he said slaves obey your masters. Now he's a white coach with a black player who got offended because he read scripture that says slaves obey your masters. Now, some of y'all are getting offended right now. I just quote the Bible. But let me give you some understanding because when you don't have understanding, your emotions get all over the place because you don't have understanding. All right. Can we get some understanding? Go to Colossians, the third chapter. Look at verse number 18 with me right quick. Come on. Come on. I, I want to throw this in because I'm trying to illustrate the point here. Many times, we get all off track because we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to enlighten us with the scriptures. Wives, submit to your husbands. And if you say this on some social media platform, you get castized. If there is such a word, you will, you will get thrown off. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Next verse says what? Why, husbands, love your wives. And never treat them how? 
harshly. Isn't that good? Right? Children, always obey your parents for this what? Pleases the Lord. Next verse said what? Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Next verse. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Now, we're going to look at this in the the book of Ephesians, but I'm giving you a precursor for it. Now, watch this. Again, we have to have understanding. If you don't dig beneath the surface and understand, the concept of of slavery or a bond servant was well known in the Jewish culture. As a matter of fact, the word that Paul and Timothy and James used to introduce themselves to a lot of the churches, they chose the word slave or bond servant, which the, the Greek word is doulos, which literally means a slave who is willingly bound to another. Now watch this. In Jewish culture, someone who fell on hard times could choose to sell themselves as a slave to someone. And many Jews viewed selling themselves as servants as a viable option to provide for their families and to survive. This was not Hear me carefully, because when you come to the Bible, you come to it with, from the, an Americanized version of everything. And you come to it looking at it from 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 some from illegal, ungodly, sinful slavery in this country. You got to go back into the culture. People will go and say, I'm going to sell myself to you for a period of time to repay the debt that I owe. And it was done willingly. Everybody say willingly. People in the ancient world of the Old and New Testament would sell themselves to work as bond servants or indentured servants in order to pay off a debt. God even instituted a law among his people that every seventh year, hear me carefully, all debts would be completely forgiven. The, therefore, the slaves or the bond servant or the indentured servant, whatever you want to call them, would be set free after six years of service. That seventh year was a year of redemption. Are y'all tracking with me? God gave instructions to his people de- detailing how to free servants who sold themselves in the service. Go to Deuteronomy 15 chapter. I don't have time to go today. Deuteronomy 15 verse, as a matter of fact, go there. Deuteronomy 15 verse number 12. What I'm trying to tell you is this man who I believe was a believer uh, said something in trying to encourage. He quote, all he did was read this and the guy got offended because he didn't understand biblical interpretation. And the world don't understand it. Anytime you, if you go on a news program right now, Danny, and say, well, you know, uh, my Bible tells me to tell Connie to submit to me. I promise you, you're going to get a whole lot of complaints from people who say, uh-uh, no, the devil is a lie. Heck, 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 no. <laughs> but when you understand submission means, when you understand it means to yield to the authority voluntarily, because I told you before, you can't submit unless you do it voluntarily. Uh-huh. If you're doing something and it's, it, and it's outside, you, you can be being obedient, but if your heart ain't right and you, and you got envy and, 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 and hatred and, and, and vitriol in your heart, even while you're doing it, you're not really submitting. You're obeying, but you're not submitting. All right, so watch this, watch this. If a fellow Hebrew sells himself or herself to, to be your servant, and serves you for six years, in the seventh year, you must set that servant what? Free. Next verse. Let's go. It says, uh, when you release a male servant, do not send him away empty-handed. Watch this now. He's talking about Hebrews who, who said, well, I need some help, so I'm going I'm to I'm voluntarily sell myself. Basically, I'm going to work for you for this, for this time period. Give him a generous farewell gift 
from your flock, your threshing floor and your wine press. Share with him some of the bounty with which the Lord your God has blessed you. Let's keep reading. Go. Remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I'm giving you this command. Next verse. This is what? But suppose your servant says, I will not leave you because he loves you and your family and he, is, and he has done well with you. This don't sound like American slavery because it's not. This is totally different. So stop going to the Bible with your Americanized glasses on. Stop reading the Bible from your own family context. Get beneath the surface and understand scripture and let the Holy Spirit bring the enlightenment. If, if, if this was Americanized slavery, why would this guy say, he says, why would God get his command? Uh, but suppose your servant says, I will not leave you because he loves you and your family and he has done well with you. Next verse says what? In that case, take an awl or like a nail and push it through his earlobe into the door. After that, he will be your servant for life and do the same for your female servants. All right. So, so my, my point is this. When the, the, the coach read Colossians, he was talking about slavery from the standpoint of somebody voluntarily going into serv- indentured servitude to work off a debt. And it wasn't. And, and once the debt was paid or the six years were passed, he was free to do whatever he wanted to do. Do y'all see the difference? And so as a result of that, the guy ended up resigning. He, first of all, let me tell you something. If he was winning, it probably would have, they probably could have worked it out. But they wasn't winning. All right. And so he, he, he voluntarily went on a step down and had a, 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 an agreement to, to, to go on and resign. But my point is this. If you go to the Bible with your with your with your fault based off of how you grew up and you don't insert yourself into the context and the culture at that time and allow the Holy Spirit to bring the enlightenment, you will be confused. And I don't want anybody. <coughs> Excuse me, I don't want anybody in this church to be confused. Let's get back. Get back to our outline because my time is running. So enlightenment. God gave instructions to his people detailing how they should. To, uh, and I, listen, I don't have time to go into all that, but, but I want to share that with you because that's, that's where you see the culture not understanding spiritual things because they can't understand it. They come into it with their own viewpoints. And what politics says but let's go to the word of God and see what the word of God says, okay? So number two, enlightenment comes to the heart of the believer. Go to Ephesians 1, 18. Ephesians 1, 18. Let's get back to our text. Two factors consider. Enlightenment comes from the Holy Spirit. And number two, enlightenment comes to the heart of the believer. The Holy Spirit reveals truth to us from the word and then gives us the wisdom to understand and apply it. He also gives us the power, the enablement to practice that truth. We'll see that later on. So enlightenment comes to the heart of the believer. <clears throat> Let's read. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can what? Understand the confident hope he called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Next verse says what? I also pray that you will be that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power. Watch this. That raised Christ from the dead 
and sealed him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you and I. Now think about that just for a second. Think about that. The power that raised Christ from the dead abides inside of us. Let it sink in. The same power that raised Christ from the dead abides in us. Now, when we think of the heart, we usually think of the the emotional part of man. But in the Bible, the heart means uh, the inner man and includes the emotions, the mind, and the will. The inner man or the heart has spiritual faculties that parallel the physical senses. You you go through all throughout scripture, you see that the inner man can see, the inner man can can, can, uh, hear, the inner man can taste, the inner man can smell, the inner man can even touch. And there's scripture that deals with all of that. But, but understand this, if we're going to let the Holy Spirit enlighten us, we have to be willing to go to the Lord in prayer, go to the Lord through his word and let him, amen, give us the revelation knowledge that we need. Okay. Now watch this. So Paul requested four things in his prayer. Now, again, I'm giving these four things and we're unpacking these things on Wednesday. All right. What I want to do today is to let you understand that God desires to show us what we have already available to us. God desires to show us what he's given us. Look what Paul requested four things. Number one, what? That they might know God. In the Greek, Paul is saying that his desire is for God to give us a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation. He wants us to know him. To know him means that, that I have a personal relationship with him. Know it, when, when the Bible says Adam knew Eve, that means he knew her on an intimate level. God desires for us to know him on an intimate level. He does not want your relationship with him to be just a cursory thing that you do on Sunday morning. <clears throat> This woman on his front row probably knows me better than anybody else. Right? And I'm sure I know her better than anybody else. That same level of knowing, God says, I want you to know me that way. And Paul prays that they, that they might know God at a very deep and intimate level. Second thing he tells them is that we might do what? Know God's calling. Know God's calling. God, all of us in here have a calling on our life. First, witness for the Lord Jesus Christ to be his example, to be his ambassadors in the earth. Man. None of us in here are exempt from a calling if you're born again. You have a calling on your life and God wants to utilize you to, to advance his kingdom. Within. So that we might know God's calling. The third thing is that we might know God's riches. Get back, get back to verse 18 and 19, 20, 21, 22 and 23. Let's go there right quick. Come on, let's move that we might know God's riches and lastly, that we might know God's power, that power that, in, that enables us to do the work of ministry. God wants to empower us by way of his Holy Spirit. He says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Watch this. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power. Now watch, back up. I don't want you to miss this. He says what? Well, he says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. How many of y'all believe him? Amen. This 
It's the, the power for us, he says, it's the same mighty power, watch this, that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. All right. Watch this next verse. It says this. Now he is far above any ruler, authority, power, leader, or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Everybody say Jesus is king. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him head over all things for what our benefit, for the benefit of the church. Watch this next verse. And the church is his body. It is made fully complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself, right? With himself. Now, let's stop right here. We know and we understand there are things that Paul said, I want y'all to know. Let's review right quick. First of all, I want you to know God. If you're not saved, what better time than now to get saved? He prayed that they may know God. Number two, what? That they may know God's calling. Each one of y'all have a calling in your life. What is calling is, is more calling is sometimes we, we, we again, here we go. We're so narrow minded. We use calling only for a preacher. But everybody in here has a calling. Everybody has to get everybody has the calling to the ministry of reconciliation. God has called all of us to use us to reach people. So you got a calling and you, every one of us has a spiritual gift. Many of us have more than one, but use your spiritual gift to help facilitate and to strengthen your calling to be an ambassador for Christ, to be an evangelist for the Lord Jesus Christ, to go out and reach others with the gospel message that we might know God's calling. The third thing is what? That we might know God's riches. What all these have available for us? The spiritual blessings that we already have. Do you know you have them? And because you don't know it, sometimes I, there's things that I'm still trying to tap into and, and try to understand at a deeper level because God says, I bless you with all these spiritual blessings, and these riches, but begin to understand that you have them and to operate in them, to embrace them. Let the Holy Spirit enlighten your knowledge of these areas. And lastly, number four is what? No God's power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to operate in your life. It's available to operate in your life. Will you let him? Are you willing to get out of the way and say, Holy Spirit, have your way in me? I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to discipline myself to let you have your way in my life. And guys, when we begin to do that, we're going to see radical change in our individual lives. And we're going to see radical change in the life of this church. But each one of y'all in here. God has blessed you with spiritual blessings. Now, we're going to close out here and we're going to unpack some of these truths in our Wednesday Bible class. But just know this, Paul prayed for you. He prayed for me. I'm praying for each one. I don't want you to ever think that you are unusable by God. God can use each and every, I don't care where you've been, what you've done, whatever bad choices or good choices that you made, God can still use you. And he wants to use you. You're his child. He's empowered you to do the work of ministry. So let's yield our will to his will and watch him do 
what only God can do in our life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.